Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. All right, before we get started, do you remember when we were in bed the other night and we, I don't remember what we were like what was happening but Uh I said to you if you don't remember this topic for the podcast I'm gonna scratch your eyes out (laughs) so didn't we already record it nope nope oh that excuse (laughs) shouldn't buy that one no I don't remember Okay, so this is the thing. When we're talking and or reading something, it's so potent in the moment. And we're like, you know, let's talk about that on the podcast. And then it feels like there's just no way we could forget. We just need our own reality TV show so that the cameras are just always rolling. Do you know how often I'm not wearing pants? (laughs) I mean, makes for pretty good TV. (laughs) Uh, I guess it'd have to be on like HBO or Showtime. Oh, my Showtime. <laughs> okay, so like you have no recollection of even having had that conversation and me saying I was going to scratch your eyes out? Not not very much, no. That's disappointing. I mean, because... you were just out of town for like a couple days. Yeah, but I mean, I remember that that one was like one I really wanted to remember. And I was like, you have to remember it. And it's, you know, we don't sleep with our phones by the bed. Um, and so I, we, neither of us had our phone to jot down the topic. We need like pen and paper, old school. Just old school. Buy the, buy, like yeah. in your pocket Little constantly. pocket protector in my, in my jammies, ready to go. <laughs> Flip it out, two in the morning, podcast Well, idea. I would say that middle of the night and evenings are in fact, they're when you I remember the topic. Nuh-uh. It's me forgetting to do things. Stop it. <laughs> All right, forget that. (laughs) Thank you, Neo. Hey, everybody. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. So somebody sent us an article and suggested we talk about it on the podcast. The article is titled Patriarchal Power, A Theoretical Unraveling of Power Imbalances by Muskan Sony, and it was March 29, 2022. So recent article. It's a five minute read. It's on feminism in India. So patriarchal power particularly is held together by an amalgamation of micro powers, which are manifested both as a cause and a consequence of the sexist oppression in our societies. As put forth by the Asian Pacific Institute on Gender-Based Violence, quote, power sets the agenda for patriarchy, close quote. The discourse surrounding patriarchal power and its presentation in our lives is essential. 
Ignoring it could mean perpetuating the silence and powerlessness of those upon whom these disciplines have been imposed. This article explores the theoretical base for power, especially its different manifestations in patriarchal societies across cultures. You know, I think that that is not necessarily a new concept for our show. I think we've talked about power. I think we've talked about patriarchy. I think we've talked about sexism in a lot of different episodes. But the quote that really jumped out to me, which I agree with, but it's not something that I had thought particularly long about or or really thought of ever, is the first one. Patriarchal power is held together by an amalgamation of micropowers. That just right there, it's, it's held together by an amalgamation of micropowers. It makes so much sense, and I, again, I never thought about it that way. So the way that I kind of perceive that are, as a man, and particularly as a white man in this country, I am given or bestowed upon me based on the structure of our society, the systems, the laws, the culture— I am given a host and variety of micropowers. For example, when I walk into a store, no one questions me. When I walk down a street, I'm not afraid that somebody will grab my butt. When I speak in a room, people listen. All of those little things that feel very natural to me and aren't like in and of themselves might not be a most ground-shaking, society-shifting power that I'm given. But when you have, as the article says, an amalgamation of micropowers, that is collectively creating, and as the article states, holding together patriarchal power. I find that concept fascinating. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. When we talk about microaggressions, we're talking about things that are so subtle that they can't be seen with the naked eye and you have to be open to learning what they are and taught. So you have to be taught and then open to learning and understanding what those are. So can be even hard to describe because they're so subtle, but it's like these little things of like uh, tiny assumptions that you make, little bitty comments that you make that are like, that mean something to the person receiving them, but that for sure the intention is not to hurt or harm and the person speaking them doesn't even realize they're saying them. The examples you gave are major, like the being touched on the butt is so scary. That's major. So you, when you kind of said like eat little things like that, that's not true, right? Like those, are, you know, and, but yeah, I think, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. I think the standing up in a room and um, being listened to is really one of the more micro ones of the examples that you gave. But why I say that is, is because we have to remember that these are so subtle that they don't even meet the naked eye. And there's so many that you don't even realize. What I think is interesting is this, like you were like, I had never heard it said like that. Um, And this isn't a game of like comparisons or who's smarter or whatever, but this was clear to me from the outset that patriarchy is built not on one single privilege, but on a multitude of privileges that are tiny, but create a very close knit woven thread, uh, thread work of the blanket of the patriarch. Like people can then say, well, 
I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I wasn't given the same privileges that my friend was given. And so then they start to say like, this thread doesn't apply to me, but there's still a million other threads that do apply. And they're so minuscule that they're called micro powers. I think the most important thing is in order to live with compassion for humanity, you have to have empathy. And, you know, we always have said, like, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. We know that that's not possible, right? We can't put ourselves in someone else's shoes, but we can listen to the point of having empathy, not sympathy, right? But just to have empathy, just like straight up and down. Wow, I'm really sorry that you experienced it that way. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about microaggressions or micropowers or anything on a micro scale that's just a thread, one thread after another, there the thing to understand is that you just don't see it. So you have to assume that it's happening and then be willing to listen and learn. And we're having to use these gross examples, these grand examples of like, well, I can walk this down the street and not get my butt touched. I mean, geez, is that like our baseline? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you're saying about being open to learning and understanding because as I currently exist in the world, my normal day-to-day there are things that are happening to me that I'm not perceiving. So this this openness to learning about ways in which your life has been made easier. Actually, I would I would even cut that. I would say ways in which, um, you know, you've you've received I guess privileges. But I, I think I say I cut easy because I also know that the way like these micro powers also in turn, come back around and have a negative impact on the individual because they don't learn certain skills. They don't learn how to, you know, I just, I see a lot of the ways that patriarchy and patriarchal power negatively impacts men eventually. Like we see them as all these great things. And then eventually men get to a point where they feel isolated and alone because they've always been put in a different category than everybody else. Maybe that category offers benefits for things like job or power or whatnot, but also and bodily autonomy. Exactly. Things like that. But, you know, there also is a lot of negative aspects to it. So just I just want to reflect and say again what you said about an openness to be willing to accept that you have been afforded these things in your life. What you were saying about the power that you've been given, you know, without even knowing it. I think that's a real that's a real breakthrough. And I think that that's actually one of the inflection points that we're in society right now, because it's it's hard for people to understand that the way that our society is structured and the way that the laws work and the way that our culture is constructed, it gives certain people a leg up, things that they don't have to worry about. And that's hard to embrace. I appreciate that you knew this inherently, like this amalgamation of micropowers I think I it, maybe if you quizzed me on that, I, I would say it, but like I just never heard it placed like that. So it's cool. That's something you've already thought about. And I want to I want to move on to how this applies to our relationship. But I just I'm curious, like if not an amalgamation, like what did what did you think? I mean, I think I just saw it as whole system or cultural norm rather than. I just viewed it from from that from that side of the road rather than from the other side of the road, which was that cultural norm was made up of a lot of different 
tiny cultural norms. So the concept is easy to understand because I think I was aligned on the concept. I just never heard it phrased and packaged like that. Cool. Okay. What is one micro power that you think you have that you've never thought about having? Well, if I've never thought about having it, that's it's almost a, like impossible question to answer. I would say the thing that I've learned over time is my power in our relationship of suggestion. So I'm naturally, and I think I've said this on the podcast, I think I'm naturally, you know, a brainstormer. I like to throw ideas out. Personally speaking, I'm very grounded in the fact I'm not always attached to those ideas. But I have this power, this natural like given power as a man in this relationship that when I throw something out, it creates a a sense of urgency around it. Like it naturally creates a sense of urgency or desire for that thing to happen. And that might not be the case. Like I have the power to when you throw something out to offer up a tweak to it or a friendly amendment or an alternative like that's normal to me but for you to do that that takes a lot of effort and energy to say no I think we should do this just mental energy so that's like one thing that I think can show up in our relationship yeah uh thanks for saying that it kind of put to words something that has been true for me which is that when you want something just like have a desire for something, I want to help you attain that. The funny thing is, is that I feel like it's gone the other way too. Like when I say I want something, you've really wanted to make that happen for me, which I think is also a stress that gets put onto men in relationships, like must provide, right? And I also know that I do so much of the suggestive tweaking, and you're right, it takes a lot of courage, but I've done so much of the suggestive tweaking that you've often said, like, sometimes I want you to just say, okay, we'll do it this way. So it's funny that you say that. I'll I'll give one example, but it's not, there's a million, right? Like these are threads, right? And there's ones that I don't even see. But one example is out in public, nobody is watching you eat. Nobody is watching you eat. Everybody is watching women eat. And whether consciously or unconsciously, making decisions, women watch other women eat, other people watch people eat, making decisions about whether or not what that woman is putting in her body is directly equivalent to her size. And therefore, because we know that we're being watched while eating, subtly and not subtly, every bite has an element of shame. You eat without swallowing shame. Not all the time. Like there are times when you're eating things and you're like, mm, this, this isn't something I want to put in my body, but I'm going to do it anyways, right? But that's constant. You know, I was with my girlfriend this weekend and we're ordering food and it's just like internal dialogue of do I order the pizza and meatballs or do I order the salad and what does that mean and what is what are they going to think that means and based on our sizes, are they going to think that I'm like a quote unquote healthier eater or how can I eat that and look this way? etc. More importantly, just that that we are more often watched while eating than men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. And again, I think that's a bigger one. I don't even think that's very micro, but it's something that people don't know unless they're a woman. So what I want to say is in our relationship, I kind of want to lay this conversation down for a while. I think that we've already identified that 
there are ways in which I demand power. And I've done that because I am a, a dominant and powerful person, very opinionated and sometimes bossy. And also because you have a tendency to be more go with the flow and and or passive at times but also because we've really dialogued a lot about this we've really i really truly believe that you understand now again there's micro threads that we don't know about both of us but i really believe that you understand this dynamic and at this point i think we ha- the pendulum has swung to the point where like we've made it abundantly clear where the patriarchy directs our relationship. And I think we're actually trying to get back to a more central place where now that I trust that you understand, I feel, I just feel like we're headed towards equality. And it's not like, I think some people would think that they have that. They're like, yeah, we're equal, but they've never done the dialoguing. They never let it swing far enough in the other direction to actually meet in the feminist. To know where the, know where the equality is. Right. right, like because it's like, inherently swung towards the patriarchy, yeah. but not. But and n- typically, that means the man. Not always. I think what we're talking about is like patriarchal power isn't exclusively displayed by men. Right, it is displayed by all types of people. Mm-hmm. It's the patriarchal process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that gets played out in all of us, like submissiveness, like shame and submissiveness and fear for women and blah, blah, blah. So again, I just want to say when people say, yeah, yeah, we're equal, but like it's always been leaned in the direction of patriarchal power. So it's, and maybe that's just redundant patriarchal power, but like the patriarchy. And then so to say we're equal and you haven't done the work to let the other, to like step back from the patriarchal methods and embrace something else radically meaning like almost entirely then you i don't i think you're right you don't know where that middle ground truly is yeah and just one more comment on this the way i hear this and think about this is the equality that you're trying to achieve in a relationship is not a set point right it's not like oh we found it here's the here's the perfect balance and we're gonna stay there because naturally situations roles dynamics timing Things change in a relationship constantly, just like in life, everything changes constantly. And so achieving equality, particularly in a relationship, means that you can be dynamic and flexible in who's making decisions where that power lies and being able to move that power from situation to situation understanding that there's balance within that. So you're not looking for the perfect happy middle. And the way that you achieve that flexibility is by experiencing all aspects of it. If I experience being able to be like opinionated, in control of the situation in order for like the betterment of a family, you need to be able to trust me in that in that situation. If you're in that state, I need to be able to trust you in that situation. And The only way that we develop that trust and understanding of each other is if we experience all aspects of that. And I think the way that we've done it is we've recognized what the cultural norms are coming in, and we've looked to flip that script a little bit for a while to really, as you're saying, like experience and establish ourselves in that place, swing the pendulum one way so that we can know what all the different aspects are so that we can meet the challenges of whatever situation we're in with the appropriate power dynamics within our relationship. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. I feel really grateful that this is where we're at. And there's an ease for me because the way that we've designed this relationship and the way that we both entered it gave so much permission to have the span of all of the ways of being and living and to stretch and to push and pull and all of that. And it's just so wonderful that we're at a place now where I feel like, yeah, it's like that's not the conversation anymore. And in the same way that when I met you, a lot of conversations in my head ended and I was able to enter into a new phase of life that had so much more possibility with you there. I feel like this is something that I can release from my like load that I carry in this life. And yeah, I don't know why it feels really important to just say like, I think we're done with this conversation in our relationship. And And I don't say that lightly. I'm not saying like it's over, like every little aspect's over. And then I wonder then how I would approach conversations if I was approaching it with full trust that I'm announcing now, the full trust that you understand and that we're actually working to come back away from that sort of big pendulum radical swing. Yeah. And I think I would say we are done with this chapter of the conversation. We've graduated this level and we don't know exactly what the conversation looks like at the next level, but we know that we're finished with this aspect of it. Mm-hmm. We've probably been done for a while, but I don't think my actions have always reflected that. Sometimes it's really good as your relationship grows and develops to actually state like there's a stated like, hey, we're moving on from this right now because we feel like we have mastered this level of it yeah it's like when you say your vows at the wedding it's like i'm making a proclamation i'm i'm vowing things i'm i'm making promises and setting intentions so okay cool cool i love it all right i love you Mm, love you thanks y'all for listening and participating we always have a great time with you and if you enjoy the podcast please go online and rate review share this with your friends this is the way that we build this community yeah all right bye Bye.